0: Welcome, welcome to the Night Watchman Cricketing Podcast, a podcast for the cricketing connoisseur. A cricketing podcast that looks specifically at the ongoings of the pro tier cricketing team, both home and abroad. So the first part of the Proteus Tour to India, the T20 component is now finished and we're moving into the test series. We've seen the Proteas A side also taking on India A and a number of performances to be keeping an eye on as some of those gradu- players graduate into the senior tests. Today's episode, we're going to talk about that T20 series, some of the lessons learned and some of the performances that really inspired the Proteas to the, that final win in the third T20. We'll look at the performances of the India A tour, uh, look at the withdrawal of Jasprit Bumrah from the Indian bowling attack as well as the new batting coach Amal Muzumdar. We'll talk quickly about some of the ongoings at the Western Province Cricket Union, as well as a quick word on the Springboks and their performance in the opening weekend of the Rugby World Cup in their game against the All Blacks. As always, we hope you enjoy the episode. We encourage you to get involved, engage with us through the voice message uh, platform on the Anchor podcast platform. In the meantime, enjoy the episode. So to Wednesday evening, we're back on the line with Ken Borland up in uh, in Johannesburg. Kenny, how are you keeping yeah, all good, thanks Pete, yeah. Good Heritage Day, good celebrations, lots of sport to watch. Yeah,
1: it's a busy time, of course, with the Rugby World Cup and uh, the Pro being overseas. So, uh, yeah, mixed results between the two of those, but yeah, you can't win them all, I guess.
0: I guess so, maybe we can talk about the bocker towards the back end of the show, but let's start on a high, which was that last T20 where in- India were really given a pounding by the South Africans. I don't think we saw that coming.
1: No, it was a phenomenal result, really, uh, to, to outplay them so utterly convincingly as we did. It just showed, you know, I, I think the South African bowling attack is is very good on its day. You know, a guy like Buren Hendricks bowled particularly well on a, on a pitch that had a little bit of nibble in it, and, and that's where he's good, when you can get those uh, a little bit of movement going for him. So he bowled really well. I, I was very impressed with our spinners. Bjorn Fortain and Tabre Shamsi both bowled really well. You know, we mustn't get too carried away. India were resting a lot of their, you know, when, when they go to the ICC World T20 next year, it, it, it's going to be a, a pretty different looking side. You know, there was still Rohit Sharma to get past, Virat Kohli, Shikhar Dhawan. So a very strong top-order Indian team. And and after that, uh, not that much experience. But, you know, South Africa bowled really well after a bit of a ropey start. Kisa Rabada wasn't great. He went for 17 in his first over, pulled it back well at the end. You know, so India were racing along in the first few overs. And uh, South Africa pulled it back really well and then
0: squeezed
1: uh, particularly well. They fielded brilliantly again.
0: Yeah, the fielding was up up to a good standard, eh?
1: Yeah, yeah. So a great great effort in the field. And then chasing a, a fairly average sort of score just Quinton de firing once again and, and you know when he fires at the top it makes such a difference to the side uh, Reza Hendricks able to bat round him, Timber Bavuma batting around him just a very convincing victory and a, a very encouraging one for the team ahead of the Test Series
0: I think one of the things that you'd identified in the last episode that we recorded, Ken, was the idea that you wanted to see some of the players, like Bavuma, for example, really grab the opportunity that had come his way. And I thought he in particular looked really good in both the games, in fact.
1: Yeah, you know, he got he got quite a lot of criticism for the first game, where South Africa really didn't bat well. They, they batted first and posted a very mediocre sort of score. It wasn't a particularly well-paced innings, if you like. Bavuma admitted, he fronted up that, you know, he lost momentum... Towards the end of his innings, I think he ended with 49 or 43 balls when he mm-hmm. had a sort of 40 or 30 at one stage. So he batted beautifully first bit of his innings and then lost his way a bit. But in a way, what hurt South Africa really the most in that first game was Russie van der Dusen falling cheaply and and David Miller getting out again just as he was looked set to yeah. if he really launch because because they really the finishers. Um, in that batting lineup, whereas Bavuma is the guy you want to set things up to take the ones, the twos, get them on strike. So a little bit, a little bit of harsh criticism for Bavuma in the first game. Second game performed his role perfectly. You know, Absolutely. came up great defense, batted at a at a very good rate. Helped obviously by having Quinton de Kock uh, really firing beautifully at the other end. But I think Bavuma T20 might not quite be his game. I think. Look, I think he could still become a very good player in that format. But certainly in ODI cricket, you know, I think in that top order, he could do a great job for the Proteus. He's He's a quality batsman, uh, very good at manipulating the ball around the field and, you know, can hit it cleanly. He, could, he, can, he can collect boundaries playing normal cricket shots. When the ball is there to hit, he can, he can certainly clear the boundary, as he showed in a way he ended uh, that second game.
0: Kenny, what, did, what do you think we learned about the leadership quality of Quint de Kock? I mean, certainly from his performances with the bat, uh, we, there's you know full marks, I thought. But what did we learn about him as a leader? Uh, let's say something was to happen to Faf in the coming year or so towards the next T20 uh, World uh, World Cup. What do you think we've learned about his, his, his ability to lead from the front and carry the burden of being the opener and the captain?
1: Yeah, certainly just in terms of his batting, he was superb. Both knocks he played were... Really top quality knocks, uh, deserved to be man of the series. You know, it was great to see him being able to combine being captain with still being a, a leading batsman in that in that lineup. You know, he he's a senior batsman now, and he certainly stepped up and performed that role. Did a very good job uh, in the field, particularly in the second game. You know, first game when when they were defending not a great score. Always good for the captain if if you're not getting wickets, and you know you 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 pretty much caught high and dry because you don't have enough runs to play with. So not much you could have done there. But uh, in the second game in South Africa fielded at first, uh, yeah, I thought he rotated the bowlers really well. Stuck with guys when they needed to be stuck with. You know, a young spinner like Bjorn Fortain, he handled him very well. Uh, Shamsi too. You know, Shamsi's first two balls were hit for six. Quinney held firm and, and mm-hmm. kept Shamsi on and he, he ended up conceding 23 runs and four overs, which is which is a great effort. So, Quinny, certainly, um, in terms of white ball cricket, if something had to happen, the thing is that the, the other captaincy candidates aren't really that assured of their places in the white ball team. Aidan Markram, Markram, we see he's not in the T20 squad. Uh, whether he'll be in the next ODI team, we, you know, we don't know. He had a bit of a frustrating World Cup. Timber Bavuma, we've spoken about, he's still trying to you know, nail down his place in, in the white sure. ball side. So of the captaincy candidates, Quinney is is the, the only other guy who's really certain of his place. And so it was good to see him uh, do a great job in the T20s.
0: One of the things I was interested in, some of the post-match uh, comments, I think it was also, Rossi van der was one of the people who picked up on this, was talking about the success of the MSL, the Mzanzi Super League. To see players like Bjorn Fortein or Buren Hendricks doing so well was really test, uh, testimonial to the strength of the uh, the MSL and their performances in that. Do you think there was there's something in that, or do you think that's just a bit of the the marketing hype around the MSL, which is obviously so important within the within the rands and cents of the uh, Cricket South Africa's coffers? I, th- I thought it was an interesting perspective. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, you know, look, the players are definitely going to back the MSL because it's a it's a great income stream. <laughs> the extra income stream for them. Look, I, I think guys like Bjorn Fortein and and Bjorn Hendricks have been performing before the MSL, you know, and and Bjorn Fortein in particular in the in the franchise T20 at the end of last summer was, was absolutely outstanding, and that's what got him into the Proteus team. That's, you know he was he was one of the key guys in the Harford Lions uh, winning that competition. Bjorn Hendricks, you know, he he played for the Proteus several years ago uh, before injury intervened. So. He's always been a quality performer and now with a bit bit of extra experience and uh, properly fit again, you know he's showing that he's got that ability to step up at international level. Yeah, I think the jury's still out on whether the MSL is, is at the moment really producing these sort of guys who come from nowhere and, and succeed at international level. I think the nature of the MSL is that it's going to be guys that are already doing well in domestic cricket who first of all get chosen in the draft sure. Um, sure. and, and then, you know, can step up the their performances at MSL. I don't think I don't think the standard of MSL is much higher than, you know, the old standard bank Pro twenty when before mm. the Pro Tiers were playing and we had the international guys like your Gales, your Pollards, Kevin Peterson, you know, the Andre sure. Russell, some, all, big, all those some guys. big players. Playing in the On
0: Honours shed, one one, and the the weather takes a point or a, uh, it, its own win. Uh, one obviously abandoned without a ball bowled. Would you have taken that before the before the series? A one all draw?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I I thought after the first game, oh, here we go. You know, it's <laughs> going to be a it's going to be a, a easy two 0 win for India. So to see the guys bounce back so well in that second game, that was absolutely
0: fantastic, and it'll definitely boost their spirits. In, in parallel, Ken, we've seen South Africa A taking on India A, which I think has been really interesting given the, the number of the test, uh, test squad players who will be playing in their senior side. Um, I'm thinking of the likes of Dane Pete, I'm thinking of the likes of uh, Aidan Markram. So, Ken, what we saw was uh, basically India take that 1-0, uh, one, one of the games being uh, drawn after a really positive rear guard action from Aidan Markram with 161 and Vian Mulder, 131 not out. Uh, your thoughts on what, what can we learn from that SAA uh, effort against India?
1: Yeah, you know, overall it was a disappointing tour for South Africa because they, they also played one-day matches uh, where they got hammered 4-1 and uh, not many individual performances to really speak about in the white ball portion of the of that tour, apart from Reza Hendricks uh, batted really well. And uh, then the two five-day games. Uh, the first game, South Africa batted really poorly and, and were well beaten. So very important in that second game and, and great to see Aidan Markram, who, you know, he's had his problems with spin before. He's had, had his problems in subcontinental conditions. Mm-hmm. Fantastic to see him get a really big hundred. Um, in his last innings and spend a, a long time at the crease and a big 100 under pressure, you know, to, sure. to save the game. So heading into the proper test series uh, for the pro tiers, that's going to stand him in great stead. And great uh, to see a guy like Vian Mulder um, get a 100 as well, you know, in, in partnership with Markram, uh, just to remind the selectors that he's still around and, and just what a talented all-round guy he is. He also bowled very tidily um, in that game. So that, that was a really big plus, those two performances. Slightly on the negative was that no one else managed to pass 50 uh, in those two games. Yeah, oh. You know, Thierry Serrain batted once and scored 41. So that's, I guess that's a reasonable, um, he, you know, he'll feel he spent a bit of time in the middle at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zubair Hamza played in one game, got 44 and 13. Again, he's he's had a bit of time, but without kicking on. Heinrich Larsson made a, a 48, but then only two more runs in these in the other two innings. Mm-hmm. So yeah, apart from Markram, in terms of the test squad now, not, not too many of the guys really benefited from that from that uh, two-game series.
0: And Ken, on, on, on the bowling front, what did we see?
1: Yeah, you know, Lungi and Gidi bowled nicely, uh, mm-hmm. especially in the second game. So he bowled 46 overs uh, between the two matches. And so he's had some good bowling time in his legs now. He'll be very happy with his preparation. Jane Pete, who is probably going to play a very important role as the, yeah, the second so. spinner for the Proteus, got to 80 overs uh, in the two games, so that's great. Uh, took nine wickets, so uh, he'll be feeling reasonably good about that. Average 30, it's not too bad, and he, you know, and, he, and he conceded just a little bit more than three runs to the over. You know, at least he's also had some good game time. We'll, we'll feel that he's put in the work ahead of the Test Series for the Proteus, Vernon Falando also 26 overs in the uh, in the one game he played. Typically economical, less than two to the over. So Vernon, good, good to have some overs in the legs there for him. Absolute,
0: absolutely. absolutely uh, Good to see him back getting a good workout. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: maybe the one worrying aspect of, of that test series for SAA, uh, Seniran mean the new, the new guy in the test squad, a spin bowling all-rounder, really. Battled with the bat, only 28 runs in three innings. And uh, with the ball, bowled 40 overs, conceded 153 runs and took just one wicket. Obviously, a fairly inexperienced guy in in those conditions and at that level. But, um, yeah, it's a little bit concerning that he didn't enjoy that much success. But hopefully, they've had quite a long time now before the Test Series starts for the Pro tears, Hopefully, he can get up to speed.
0: No, absolutely. Uh, Ken, I I think uh, you've you've picked up on some of the positives as well as the things that perhaps didn't work out. I think you mentioned uh, Mutasami, also Heinrich Klassen, a couple of the guys we would like to really see kick on. But that all sets itself up quite nicely for the the big test series around the corner. The very first episode we recorded, Ken, you called it, you talked that, you suggested that once the uh, T20 was over and Lance Klusner would step aside and that we could possibly see uh, a local batting coach take the reins for the Test Series. And sure enough, that's exactly what we've got. Tell us about the batting coach, Amol Muzumda.
1: You know, he's a, he, he may not have played international cricket, but he is without doubt, you know, one of the most successful domestic batsmen in, in India. The second highest run getter ever in the Ranji Trophy. That's a hell of a record. He played 21 years of uh, domestic cricket, won the Ranji Trophy eight times with Mumbai, <laughs> uh, captain. No small feat. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, let's just get a, a, a number of, of runs. He scored over 11,000 runs and an average of 48. I think the only reason he didn't play for India was that as a top-quarter batsman, he was <laughs> around at the <laughs> was, same time as Tinduka, Travis, <laughs> Sarov, a bloke Ganguri, wall, those,
0: and those... Yeah, and... <laughs> those guys, so...
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, this guy's a proper proper player and, you know, very highly rated as a coach. He's worked in uh, Australia. He's worked with uh, Lancashire and Yorkshire in England, the Netherlands, IPL batting coach for the Rajasthan Royals, worked at the Indian National Academy with both the under-23 and under-19 sides. So he he really is a, a rising star as far as batting coaches go. Applied for the India senior job under Ravi Shastri, didn't get it. But, you know, apparently, you know, Ravi's got his guys that he likes to back, that, that he believes in, which is fair enough. But uh, I think Mazumdar is a great acquisition for South Africa. You know, especially since we are going to play so much cricket in the subcontinent over the next few years. Building up to the next World Cup is there in 2023. And uh, the Proteus were hugely impressed with him at the spin camp they held last month. And a lot of the Proteus test batsmen in particular I uh, really enjoyed his approach to playing spin, and uh, he's even been helping the bowlers in terms of how best to bowl spin in those conditions. So I think it's a great acquisition,
0: and uh, hopefully it'll it'll continue on beyond this tour. Do you see a, a scenario where they may keep him on permanently, Ken, and that he basically becomes part of the permanent uh, staff? As you say, we're playing enough uh, cricket on the subcontinent that, you know, whether we're playing England at home and Australia in an ODI series next year, that, it, you know, he becomes part of the furniture and part of the setup there?
1: Yeah, I actually spoke to Corey Fonseil about that today. You know, obviously when the proteas play at home, it's not really his area of expertise. So probably wouldn't need to use him then. But okay. certainly as a guy that they can turn to regularly, you know, have him, have him as, a, as a consultant on some sort of contract that... Whenever the is, travel afar, you know, to the subcontinent, and that he's our guy, you know, he, he'll Perfect. work with the batsmen on a long-term basis. That would be great, I think, if they could organise that.
0: Well, I, th- I think let's keep our eyes on that. I think he's got a, he's got a tall order. Uh, he's got a. Uh, Big standing orders to get that uh, top order firing and getting some big runs on the board. I think that's what we're going to need if we're going to compete. And all the best to him. And, w- and well called, Ken. Great job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. Well, you, you hear the little birdies tweeting every now and then <laughs> and put two and two together.
0: <laughs> that, that's the benefit of being in the game, Ken. That's, when, yeah, that's, that's, that's what puts you in the advantage there. Final thing before we move on to some domestic uh, matters Be for the series uh, coming up. The Jasprit Bumrah, who we talked about in the last episode as being one of the spearheads of the pace attack. That's really been so impressive for India these past few years. He's out. He's out of the, the series. We, we're going to really miss him, I think, in terms of his talent. Uh, good news, I guess, for the pro tiers, but disappointing that we're not going to get to see that quality of uh, bowling. We saw him, I think, here last year when he toured with India. Uh, your thoughts on, on his, on his uh, injury?
1: Yeah, I think for any neutral, it's, it's a great blow to the series. You know, he's a Fantastic fast bowler. He's got that X-factor, you know, right up there with the best in the world at the moment. So for the neutral, very sad that he's not going to be uh, playing. Um, And it may or may not be a good thing for the protests. You know, I think if Boomer had been there and India could have fielded their first choice pace attack, it might have encouraged them to leave a bit more grass on the pitch. Maybe not go the whole sort of the whole hog in terms of dry, shaven, dust bowls. But with Boomer not there, they're there now, they're you know, temptation. Saying,
0: okay,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's take every bit of grass off. So it might work out worse in the long run for the Proteus. But certainly, yeah, sad that he won't be there and, and worrying for India because obviously Virat Kohli's also got back problems. I mean, he left the field in the yep. in the second T20. And, you know, as A.B. As De Villiers showed us, if you don't get on top of those back injuries, um, eventually the, the problems just multiply. And uh, then you have to have a force break. So... India will be a little concerned about that.
0: Ken, you mentioned the, the great Virat, uh, Virat Kohli and, uh, as you say, leaving the field. I, I got the sense, and I, I don't know what your thoughts are. If we can get at Kohli early on in this test series, if we can get him cheaply, I mean, yeah, I'm thinking of the likes of Steve Smith and what we've seen, the inability of England to remove him in the Ashes. Cost, cost them dearly, and when when and when he didn't play, they, they managed England managed to win. What a surprise! Here we are at a situation. If we can get Virat, do you think that the Indian team is really still so focused around his talent in the Test match matches that get him early, get a chance, really be a, be, a, be in a position to compete?
1: India are, are slightly different to Australia, where Australia you just feel are very very reliant on Steve Smith. Sure. Um, and David Warner even though Warner got practically zero runs in the ashes and what a shame just, yeah. <laughs> yeah very very sad to see yeah uh, and you just wonder about the rest of their backing depth India however you know Kohli is in that Steve Smith league he's just exceptional you know an absolute match winner on his own but even if Kohli were not there India still have a very strong batting lineup. that Indian batting line lineup, lineup have still got a lot of great batsmen you know you've got Ajinkya Rahani who's the vice-captain now, he's a hes a quality player. And uh Pujara. Of course, of Arguably course. one of the world's best number threes. Hell of a solid guy. You know, real, a real sort of successor to Raoul Dravid. You know, these guys can score big runs. Rishabh Pant, the new one, young wicketkeeper, dashing player, whether they go with him or, or Ridiman Mansar, You know, it, it's a strong batting lineup even without Kohli, but Kohli is obviously still the key. I think it's a more daunting task, actually, um, than what England faced. It'll be interesting that that Rohit is probably going to be back, back in the mix for India. Well, he is back in the mix for India. Uh, has never really succeeded much at test level against South Africa. Be interesting to see if they open with him or whether they bat him down the order. If he opens, I, I guess guys like Rabada and Fernando will, will back themselves to actually exploit his his technical weaknesses uh, when it comes to the red ball cricket. A daunting task uh, that Indian batting lineup to to get through them. Very good plans needed. Mm. And, uh, you know, hopefully Keshav Maharaj can actually show that he's right up there as well with, with the top spinners in the world and, and do a good job for the protists as well.
0: I guess what you're saying, Kenny, is you going to come down to really good discipline. Really not wasting that new ball and working with what you've got in those first 20 overs or so and really, really do the damage as best as possible up front.
1: You, you, you've got to create pressure. That's the biggest thing in India. You know, you, you can't afford uh, to allow their batsman to be scoring freely. So it's really tight lines and lengths. You know, hopefully there is a bit of assistance for the for the seam bowlers. Uh, hopefully a bit of reverse swing comes into play because that's that's where South Africa really struggled their last tour of the subcontinent in in Sri Lanka. There was no reverse swing and and so they were absolutely
0: tutored. nullified.
1: Nullified. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's going to require our bowlers to be at their absolute best. That's for sure.
0: Is there any? Scenario where if South Africa wins the toss, we don't bat first?
1: I, I doubt it. You know,
0: cloud, unless, cloud cover.
1: <laughs> every now and then, there have been, like, out of the blue, very, very surprising Indian pictures where the voters have actually seen grass. And, you know, as you say, a bit of cloud cover and it's hot and humid. And so, South Africa have actually polled first on no more than a handful of occasions in India. But, uh, you know, Ravi Shastri holds a very firm grip on conditions these days. I'm sure so he does, I'd be sure very does. surprised if, you know, he's not mowing the pitches himself just about every day.
0: <laughs> hey, you're talking about my favourite player there, Ken, so be careful, eh? I know, be Great respect for <laughs> Ravi. <laughs> no, he's a ledge. <laughs> and obviously still trying to find, I guess, a replacement in that batting batting, keeping space. As you mentioned, Pant, you know, obviously uh, MS Dhoni, that awesome uh, cricketer who's, you know, recently called time on his test career.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which way uh, India go because they've named both Pant and Saha mm. in their test spot. Pant is 21 years old and, uh, you know, we, we saw in the, in the T20 series a bit that he, he can still be a bit impetuous and tends to get himself out. Just as he's getting going, whereas Saur, thirty-four years old, very experienced, you know, and, and and maybe they'll they'll back the older guy, the more experienced, solid guy, you know, down in the in the middle middle lower order there. It's going to be interesting to see.
0: Well, let's watch this space. Looking forward to seeing the the team the team uh, sheets come out uh, when the toss goes up there in a couple of days' time.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's uh, India South Africa is always a a massive test series, and you know, especially with the Proteas heading into something of a new era and uh, especially with the new coaching staff and that very exciting to see how they go.
0: I actually can't wait. I'm really, really looking forward to this. It's going to be great.
1: Yeah. It's been a, it's been a long time since we uh, last had some test cricket. So fantastic. Get back to the, to the proper stuff in whites.
0: Before we start to wrap up, Ken, uh, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on some, some goings on at Western province cricket. Uh, an interesting uh, news broke a couple of days ago uh, about basically western cape cricket being put into under administration from uh, cricket south africa now we talked in the very first episode about administrators and we want to talk as little as possible about what goes on off the pitch we want to focus on what goes on the pitch but let's just uh, talk about what you what you've maybe heard on the wires about what's going down at western uh, western province yeah very alarming
1: news um you know, one of our major unions, Newlands, is obviously, along with the Wanderers, the, the two main sort of venues for South African cricket, uh, Powerhouse Union, Historic Union. Very alarming that uh, basically Cricket South Africa have stepped in and, and taken over the running of the union. From what I hear, um, and, and this is speculation, there have been some concerns about the new, uh, there's a new president down in Western Province and uh his cohorts. Uh, there's some, you know, massive uh, property deals going on in and around Newlands. So there's mm-hmm. big money, big money floating around with with Sunlum involved with uh, a big development around Newlands.
0: Yeah, I understood. Sir. And
1: yeah, and, and I think there've just been some concerns around how uh, things are being handled, you know, by the new sort of powers down in West Province. I hear again this speculation that. Uh, the CEO who's been there for a few years, Nabil Dean, a, a very respected CEO, perhaps not seeing eye to eye with, with the new directors who have come in. Troubling news, you know, and, and it, it sets a massive precedent for Cricket South Africa just to step in and take over the running of, of you know, a major union. Western Province are, you know, one of the big three in, in South Absolutely, Africa. Yeah. So it's not good news, whichever way you paint it. And, you know, hopefully it, it can be resolved very, very quickly.
0: I see is it Andre Udendahl, uh, more recently, sort of the, quite a, a, a well acknowledged cricket historian who has mm. held the role before, of, I think, of being president, is is looking after things on behalf of Cricket South Africa. Did I see that correctly?
1: Yes, that, that, that's right, Andre Udendahl. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been the CEO down there before. Just my concern, uh, you know, as much of a cricket person as Professor Udendahl is and, and as great a servant as he has been of the game. If there are financial concerns with Western Province Cricket Association at the moment, hopefully he, as the sort of de facto president and commander in chief of the association now, um, you know, he's a one man band in charge, but, uh, hopefully he will appoint some chartered accountants, some really high powered financial guys. Get to the um, bottom of it. To, yeah, to a system if, if, if finances are the chief issue they're worried about.
0: Ken, thanks for that. Let's keep our eyes on that. Fingers crossed, and all you know. Let's see, hope that things move move forward there at, uh, at Newlands. Final word, Ken. Uh, the Bocker, they played on the weekend. They played the Almighty All Blacks. Uh, most of us probably thought the result was never well performed. Well, we know in the championship this year. Uh, your thoughts on on the loss? Uh, a valiant effort from I thought from my side, but just not good enough on the day in spite of the refereeing, obviously?
1: Yeah, I think that sums it up. You know, obviously the refereeing has um, attracted a lot of attention and it was poor, no question. I don't feel the Springboks deserve to win, though. I think we were the... Um,
0: we weren't the better team. Simple.
1: We, we weren't the better the better team on that day. You know, I think for for all our... For all the efforts of our pack and our pack was superb. They were dominant. Our halfbacks have got to play better. They've got to have more of an impact. You know, when your forwards are dominant like that and, and they didn't have Enough of an impact. Look, I don't feel the pack got the reward they deserved, especially at scrum time. <laughs> several several penalties weren't weren't awarded, which were blatant penalties, and sure. you know that sort of thing just creates momentum and and pressure on the opposition. I, I just felt that every 50-50 call went the way of the All Blacks, which was unfortunate. The Springboks need to play better than that, especially from nine. You know behind the pack they've just got to offer more you know the back line uh, apart from the wonderful Cheslin Colby who had a absolutely spectacular game and uh, you know I felt Damien Dialendi saved saved our bacon a couple of times in defence yeah, yeah. but there really wasn't a lot going on uh, in that back line uh, even though the pack was so dominant so they've got to improve on that well as, as some way put it New Zealand have to beat us twice to win the World Cup we've only got to beat them once <laughs>
0: Well, let's hope that is the case, Ken. Let is, let's hope that's the case. Kenny, all the best. Thanks as always for your insights, for your thoughts, uh, for the, the, the test series ahead, for the ongoings at uh, Newlands. And yeah, we look forward to chatting to you. We'll, we'll, we'll take a, a wrap at the end of the first test and let's see where we are uh, at that point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's hope the test series goes well and... You know, that the protests build on that, that wonderful last T20 game. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's hope for a really good showing from the protesters.
0: Ken, thanks a million. All the best. Speak to you soon. Thank you, Pete. Go well.